Heavenly Father, we thank you, we worship you, we honor you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We welcome your activity in this room, in people's hearts, in the mind. We thank you that you are as present today as you, as you were then. And we just pray, bring revelation, spirit of wisdom and revelation. Break boxes this morning, Lord. Let us continue to break boxes and break uh, things. And we, we put so many restrictions on you. And I just pray that you bring freedom this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. We have uh, been looking a little bit at the book of Acts, and the last two weeks have been probably intense for some people, and it's been a lot. It's like I brought a cement truck in here and just kind of dumped cement everywhere, just trying to lay a bit of a foundation. There wasn't a lot of personal application, and I, I'm very aware of that. Last week, I wanted to bring something across that was very, very important. Even Jesus had to walk by the Spirit in His earthly ministry. What that means for us now and what the disciples knew is that they believed wholeheartedly that they received the same Spirit that had empowered Jesus, and they were right. That's last week in a nutshell. If you're okay with that, you don't have to go listen to last week. You're good. The reason I took a whole week to cover that is largely because there's a lot of resistance to that. But friends, it's true. Now, am I saying that Jesus was not divine, Jesus was not God? Of course not. The Bible says in Colossians 2, for in Him, talking about Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead, or the deity, bodily, and you are complete in Him. That's a good sentence. You're not complete without Him, because He made you. Who is the head of all principality and power? However, in His ministry, in His ministry of healing and deliverance and of the raising of the dead, He did a few of those too, even in His resisting temptation. And the Bible's clear, and this was last week, he did it as a man, anointed by the Spirit in his humanity and in full submission to God. And so, Jesus said, follow me. I heard someone say it like this. If Jesus did what he did in terms of his ministry as God, then we're impressed, but we're not compelled to follow. But he said, follow. And, and that's just a great way to put it. So, we covered a little bit of that last week. But it's, it's interesting to me that there is such resistance to this thought. To many people, it's not. Many people, it's very exciting, which it should be. But there's resistance to it because it will disturb our current life, if that makes sense. It dis disturbs, the, yeah, hallelujah, yeah. It disturbs our life and our routine because Jesus is actually offering a far more than you realize far more than we realize. For many people, they feel unworthy. Many people think, well, that's for that person, but not maybe for me. That's a big issue in the body of Christ. So I'm hoping today, as we continue in the book of Acts, the last couple of weeks, just try to lay a platform. Today, we're going to be a little bit more simple, practical. I'm hoping to break some lies and break some boxes that we put God in. Can we do that together? Awesome. You know that we limit ourselves a lot more than God does. There's a lot more to your relationship with God, or there's a lot more to your experience of the Lord that you, than you are right now currently embracing. A lot more. And that's true for every single person in this room. There's a lot more than you are currently embracing. We are built and designed for the supernatural. We all are. Most humans, even when they're young, we, we have this leaning, this desire for the supernatural. We all do. Unbelievers have it too. They just express it in different ways. But we're built that way. 
until we are taught out of it. We are taught out of it. But you're built, you're designed that way. And God desires that we are all supernatural, which we are. Some of us just don't know. Supernatural just means more than natural. 1 Corinthians 2 says this, verse 14, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. Well, that's obvious, okay? But considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. So I see all these debates, and a lot of them are quite pointless because you're trying to convince someone who cannot understand what you're trying to tell them until they have an experience with the Lord. And that experience can be very within or demonstrative on the outside. It doesn't really matter. It's inside that counts. And then they start to understand. And then they start to long for and start to desire. The New Testament goes through great lengths to explain to us, to show us that God is our Father. Really does go through great lengths. If God is your father, if he's your dad, and people don't like that phrase because they feel like it lessens him, but it doesn't. If he's your dad, that should mean something about who you are. Think of little children, my dad this, my dad that. If the living God actually does live inside you, which he does, think about that just for a second. The God who created everything, if he does live inside of you, that should make a difference. We limit him. And we limit him largely because we don't see us the way he sees us. And we don't see the payment that Christ made the way he sees the payment. We can read the Bible and allow what we have experienced up to this point to determine how we read it. In other words, when you go to the Bible, many people go to the Bible without, not maliciously, they go to the Bible with the lens of their current experience. And so they look for that and they find what they're looking for. Or you can go to the Bible and just read it and allow the Bible to change your experience. Because we go, who knows that? We go with the lens without knowing we go with the lens. Then God encounters you, God impacts you, and all of a sudden you understand things a little differently. Yeah? All right. So I hope this makes you a little bit uncomfortable because it's actually not a bad thing but also a little bit excited. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. We're going to read today simply about Pentecost. And um, we're just going to talk a little bit about it, and then we'll see what happens after that. Amen? Amen. All right, let's go read. There's 120 people, plus minus, and they're in a room. It actually doesn't matter where they are. They're in a house. Some people think that was now the temple house. Some people think it's still the upper room kind of is irrelevant, but they're somewhere, and there's a few of them, and let's read what happens. Acts 2 verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them as divided tongues as of fire, and, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused, because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? 
How is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes, Elamites, and those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Pergia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya joining Cyrene and visitors from Rome. Both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the amazing, or some Bible says the wondrous works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean, others mocking, they are full of new wine. Let me just say, whenever it comes to the things of the Spirit of God, you will often see those reactions. Confused, amazed, perplexed some, some mocking, some excited, almost all the time, almost all the time. And so what happens is in our Western mind, we like comfort. We don't like what we don't understand. Yeah? Let's be honest. You know, I like it. I know, you know, I want a big patio right now. Can't have it, but I want it because it makes me more comfortable. I don't like the sun when I'm sitting outside, so I want shade. So I want a patio, and I want something above me, and maybe a little pool would be great. You know, all these things in a tiny little townhouse yard, I'm, I, I think we can do it. But we like comfort. We do. And when things come that make us uncomfortable, we struggle with that because it's uncomfortable, but we also struggle because sometimes it reveals what's possible, and there's this weird feeling that people get when, I know that some people went to this conference this week, and I know what happens when you go to a conference because I've been to so many. You come back excited but aware of how much you could grow, and there's a feeling of, whoa, that's hopefully not what's going to happen today. I want to show you something about the nature and the love of Jesus. So, the harvest is this exciting part, because if you go to verse 37, it says, when they heard this, Peter preaches a whole sermon, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to the Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? You know that no one ever said that to Jesus. What shall we do to be saved? Consider that. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit comes. Then Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, a few things. Here we see the Holy Spirit coming. People call it Pentecost. We have to understand very quickly that these people were already saved. John chapter 20, verse 20 to 22, he comes and breathes on them, like literally, and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Looks a lot like what God did to Adam, okay? But this is an eternal spirit. This is the first time in John 20. It's an amazing event that happened that very few people study. They just kind of gloss over it. First time in human history that people were saved according to the new covenant. They weren't getting saved here. This was different. They received the Holy Spirit, and, and in the Luke version of that story, it says the understanding was open to understand the Scriptures. That's why sometimes it doesn't help to debate with certain people with the Word. When they get saved, their understanding will be opened. The Bible says their mind is blinded. These people were saved. Then Jesus says, I will send upon you the promise of my Father. He calls it the baptism of the Spirit. And then here later it's called filled. And if we have time, I can show you a demonstration how that works. So, point one, it's still about Jesus Christ. You have to understand that. Even though the emphasis is so much in the, in the book of Acts about the Holy Spirit, it's still about Jesus. Why? We get that from the word 
Pentecost. Many people, us, we understand Pentecost. What do we think of when we say Pentecost? The Holy Spirit coming, right? And then the Pentecostals and so forth and so on. That's not what it meant to them. It was a Jewish feast. And it simply means, the word just means 50. Just 50. Okay. So, the Passover pointed to the Messiah as our Passover lamb. When he broke the bread, he said, this is the new covenant. Jesus' blood was shed for our sins. Jesus was crucified on the day of the preparation of the Passover when the angel and death passed over. So at the same time when they were killing the lamb for the Passover to celebrate the Jewish feast, at the same time the lamb, the real lamb, is being prepared. At the same time, which is interesting, how many people didn't even understand that the real one had come. Number two, unleavened bread starts the following day. It points to the Messiah's sinless life. Leaven is a picture of sin in the Bible, making him the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Jesus' body was in the grave during the first days of this feast, like a kernel of wheat planted and waiting to burst forth. Think about it. Unless a grain or kernel of wheat goes into the ground and dies, Jesus is called the bread of heaven. Offering of first fruits. Offering of first fruits, they would take the first little part of the crop that would like just be ready, and they would take that and give it to the Lord. It brought great pleasure to God because it showed that they're trusting Him for the rest to do that, okay? Pointed to the Messiah's resurrection as the first fruits of the righteous. Jesus was resurrected on this day. Think about that. Paul calls it the, 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 the first fruits from the dead. He was resurrected on that day, okay? Jesus died on Passover, was in the ground for unleavened bread because it was His sinlessness that defeated death. No leaven, no sin. He was in the grave for unleavened bread, and he defeated death with sinlessness, was resurrected on the day of first fruits. Then you have Pentecost, known as the Feast of Weeks, or First Fruits, or the Wheat Harvest, different names for the same thing. It occurred 50 days after the beginning of unleavened bread, and so the clock begins to tick. He dies. No one sees this, but the clock goes tick, 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 and Jesus said, not many days from now. On day 50, which is known as the Feast of the first fruits of the Harvest, on that day, 3,000 people get saved. The Spirit is poured out into the earth, and 3,000 people get saved. First fruits of the church. Think about that. God knows exactly what He's doing. He knows exactly what He's doing. 3,000 people, the church is birthed, and the Holy Spirit descends upon the earth but now available to all, Jew and Gentile. When they got saved, when Jesus had walked into the room and appeared through the wall, he said, peace to you. It's funny, he had to say it twice. He would have had to say it twice to me too if he just walked through a wall. But he said, peace to you. But that, when the Holy Spirit came to them, it wasn't for everyone. It was for them. We have to understand that. Then he, the Holy Spirit comes to the earth, births the church, and it's available to all people for the first time. So, Acts 2.33 says it like this. Therefore, in Peter's sermon, Jesus, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father, what did he say to the disciples? The promise of the Father? Having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out what you now see and hear. Let me say it like this. When the activity of the Holy Spirit is strong, there will always be something you can see and hear, most of the time. 
When a person is baptized in the Holy Spirit, we have all these boxes as to what that should be and how that looks, and I'm hoping to remove those boxes off here today. That's my hope. Really, that's my single hope. It just means immersed, friends. That's all it means, is immersed. We get stuck on words. It means to be immersed in God, to be immersed in the Spirit of God. Then there was a sound. Let me speak to you about this very briefly. It says, there was a sound as of a mighty rushing wind. Who ever heard a hurricane or tornado? They say it sounds like a train, okay? You know that, that's loud, so loud you have to do this. It's like a screeching, whistling, but it's actually wind. That's similar to what happened here. You can hear where sound comes from, right? Like if you're in the military, they train you for gunfires, you know where from. So there's a sound from heaven. They understood where. Friends, there wasn't a wind. There was a sound. As of wind. There was no wind. There was a sound. It was so loud that it drew thousands of people. The Bible says this. The multitudes came. It says, when the sound occurred, the multitudes came to where they were. So picture this. You're walking around. There's a sound. Everyone, thousands, why do I say thousands? Well, 3,000 people were saved. So there could have been more than 3,000 people because some were mocking. Thousands of people stopped whatever they're doing. They got the stroller. They're going shopping. They're texting. Millennials. <laughs> texting. Well, they might not have stopped. I don't know. They, they stop whatever they're doing. Consider this, friends. And they go to the sound. That's what happened. And if you were there, the sound happens, and all of a sudden they look around. I mean, they didn't run out of there, which is amazing, but they look around and they notice something as of fire. There was no fire. As of fire. No wind, no fire. They're looking at something, and the only way they can describe it, it looks like fire. Separated on the head of each person. And they realize, even though they have the Holy Spirit, that something has changed inside of them. They cannot explain it. They have no words for it. This is the first time it's ever happened. But something's shifted. Something's changed. Something's moved. Something is different. And they were acting in such a way. Makes Western people uncomfortable. That people said they were drunk. And it was God. You do with that whatever you want. That's what the Bible says. Yes? All right. We agree. Wonderful. Now, how can we partner with us today? I'm hoping to give you some very practical points. Because it's, it was Jesus then. He poured it out. You see many, many times even the same people getting filled and filled and filled. And he's still doing it today. Still is. Now, how do we partner with this? We get some very quick clues. Number one, togetherness. It says they were all together. The word there, one accord, basically means one mind and one passion. So I don't want to go into this. I just want to say it just helps when Christians come together. I could give you 10 hours of theology on that but I would bore you. But we all know something changes when people come together. With one heart, 
with one mind, with one passion. We may disagree on theology. We may disagree on all sorts of stuff. I don't think they cared anymore who was the greatest. I don't think they were arguing on who was the greatest. I think all of that stuff had, you know, my ministry, your ministry, you the better at this. They didn't care anymore. There was unity in the deep parts. And they were focused on worship and prayer. One mind, one passion, one place. And heaven comes down. It's very helpful. You cannot live the Christian life on your own. It's an impossibility. You can if you have to. I understand. I'm not saying you can't be saved, but you know what I mean. In its fullness. Imagine the excitement. Because the way they understood it, they were receiving what Jesus had. And they were right. Okay. Number two, practical things. Obedience. Why do I say that? Well, if they weren't there, that wouldn't have happened. Jesus said, go to Jerusalem. They said, okay, we'll go to Jerusalem. If they weren't there in that place, if they left Jerusalem, they wouldn't have got it. Yeah? It's very simple. We complicate it. It's very simple. Go there. Okay, there I am. Sometimes when I say the word obedience, people get legalistic straight away. They, they think I say perfection. And I didn't say perfection. Obedience to them was extremely exciting. You know that? That means they could hear, <laughs> and because they trusted the one who told them something. So obedience to them became so exciting. Ooh, he said we must go do this. Okay. It wasn't like, okay, I'll obey. Friends, we have the wrong understanding of obedience. They were excited because of love, because they knew him. They walked with him. He had never steered them wrong. He had never lied to them. He had never hurt them, ever. So he said, go do this. They said, oh, okay. That's someone who knows Jesus. <laughs> so if, when I say obedience, you hear pressure, I love you, but that's your filter, not mine. Thirdly, know that Jesus is enough. We get so calculated, especially in the Western world, we get so calculated, we have these methods and these linear plans about things that were not clean here. They are supernatural. In other words, not natural. In other words, messy. Not clean, not linear, not calculated, not perfect, not all nice. Yeah? What was the prerequisite when we say Jesus was enough? What was the prerequisite to the Holy Spirit coming? Them waiting in Jerusalem and Jesus having to leave. That's it. Jesus said, if I don't go, he won't come. That's it. Nothing else. We add 10 billion other things. That was it. We go here and he has to leave. <laughs> Isn't it simple? Let me explain it this way. I'll just try to read this to you because it'll go faster. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing to be able to give. Who's ever, if you haven't, well, that's odd, I guess, but who's ever sat even one or two times and thought about you know, winning the lottery or getting $150 million. So what's one of the things you want to do, right? You imagine all the people you can give it to. Who's done that, right? Yeah, you see? Wow. That would be awesome if those were all prophetic. That would be great. <laughs> we can have our own building, I'll tell you what. You imagine all the people that you can give it to, right? Because of the joy and the delight it will bring in you to see their life changed, right? It's an amazing thing to give. 
It's an amazing thing to give. It's powerful. The Bible says when he ascended, he gave gifts to men. I always pictured it like as he was leaving, it was like, give, 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 give. As soon as he could, he just give. He said it's ble- more blessed to give than to receive. Right? Okay. So, he has eternal resources. Imagine you are so wealthy that you are able to give to whatever need arises without depleting your wealth. Anyone who can actually loves to do that. But then the people you are giving to say, we cannot accept because we are not wealthy. Well, that's the point. The gift will make you wealthy. Or you can change it and say, we cannot receive because we are not worthy. That's the point. That's the point. He made you worthy. That's it. So, why do we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? It blesses us, of course. But you know it blesses Him more because He's the one giving it. It blesses Him more. It'll change your life, but it blesses Him more. Togetherness, obedience, and know that Jesus is enough. He has eternal resources. I'm trying to go through this fast. Fourthly, relax. Just relax. Anxiousness, tension, I'm going to receive. Well, probably not. (laughs) They were in a place of obedience and prayer, like I said, but it, it, it was exciting. The Bible says what? says the Holy Spirit came and fell on them where, where they were. Who knows? What were they doing? Sitting down. Where they were sitting. If they were worshipping, Jewish men probably would have been, or it was actually men and women, probably would have been kneeling or standing. That was the typical Jewish posture. They were sitting down. They were doing nothing. <laughs> and then it says, and the Holy Spirit came and sat upon each of them. It's the same word sat used when Jesus says when he had finished his work, he sat down at the right hand of majesty, Hebrews chapter 1. Friends, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will find, he will rest upon those who are at rest because they know he's good, because they're excited, because they believe what he said, and they know that Jesus is enough. Jesus paid for it, not you. Jesus is enough. Because we get so calculated about spiritual things. Far too calculated. And then we have all these things that we have to check. And I'm going to throw some out at you real quick just to smash them and destroy them. We say, well, you know, it has to come like that. No. That was the first time. It was coming into the earth. Many other times that didn't happen. So that's, we put that aside. Or we say, which is interesting, how did it come from them? Well, there are so many various ways. I I could list them for you. There was laying out of hands. You say, well, it has to be an apostle to lay hands because Paul and Peter and John. Well, Ananias, it just says a disciple, a Christian. And we say, well, we have to be obedient because they were being obedient. Okay. It helps. 
We have to pray. Well, they were praying. Okay, but sometimes they weren't. Peter said, if you get water baptized, Jesus created water baptism. I mean, I, Peter was just preaching when it fell on the people in Acts chapter 10. I mean, pick one. There are so many ways that he came and so many different experiences. And we say, well, it has to be like this and like this. Oh, and then it, and then it has to be tongues. And that's the evidence. No, friends. <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit. People say, well, it has to be tongues. Well, then, if you believe that, then I don't know anybody who's filled with the Spirit according to the Bible. Because when they received the Holy Spirit, it was tongues that was another language on the earth, not a prayer language. It's varieties of tongues. We don't have time to get into that. Then no one I know is filled with the Spirit. We get so boxed. We have to be this, then this has to happen, then this has to happen, and this has to happen, and then I think I got it. And we walk away and we are confused and we need to get away from method, from fruit, from an event mindset. Many people can point to the exact time they got saved, right? They can say in 1982, when I, you know, Monday the 10th, and you, know, and you hear those people, you're like, wow. But how many people don't really know? All right, are they less saved? No. So why do we do the same thing with the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Some people, and it's an event. For many people, it was not. It was not for me. We get so calculated. It's the human mind trying to, God must do it this way, and I must feel like this, and it must look like this. Friends, it means immersed. That's it. That's it. If you came to the river of God and there was already a person in there, well, they could help you, laying on of hands or whatever. They can take you and dunk you and whatever and throw you on the shore and you feel, and then you have an event. That's awesome. I'm not saying it cannot happen like that. And I hope it does. It does for many. What if no one's there? You can wade into the river of God any time you want. He's made it available for all. And then you go through stages. Well, how will I know? Will it be Wednesday or Thursday? <laughs> Friends, stop thinking that way. Silly thinking. It's human thinking. You can wade into the river anytime you want. And at some point, you'll realize, oh, I'm immersed. It's really simple. It's really simple. And along that little wading into the river, God will meet you there. Or God will bring a person to you. Or God will lead your heart to go find this one. Or you'll be in your bed. And even then, you're like, you see there's an event. No. No. <laughs> we have to stop thinking that way. For some, there will be. But for many, there's not. And I cannot tell you, I cannot tell you how many people come up to me here and say, I just don't know because, because, and they give me 19 reasons. And I'll pray for them every time because they were the same people were filled over and over and over. Can we throw a big one out there? Yeah? Just for fun. And then we think it's a state of, it's, it's a title. 
Spirit-filled, not spirit-filled. No. It's a state. A state of being. So a person got filled with the Spirit in 1942, but they've never prayed since. Well, then they're not filled with the Spirit. Because it's about hosting a person. They may have received gifts in that, and those will never leave. Because the gifts are irrevocable. But the relationship, when you look at a person, they can tell there's something different about that person, whatever. That, that hosting of a person, that'll go. Because that depends on fellowship. Even though you may have gifts. I've seen people operating gifts that there's no character in the room. <laughs> like, doesn't exist. But they have a gift. To be immersed in God to, is to be changed completely. And it's a process, friends. It's changed. I am immersed in God. And I'm in, therefore, I'm empowered. Not for me, I'm empowered to serve. So, what are we going to do now? I was going to give you a fifth one. I'll just tell it to you. The fifth one is practical point. The fifth one is use. Do something with it. Do something. Do something. In this world, when you use something, it becomes depleted. In the kingdom, when you use something, it increases. That's kingdom principles 101. If you don't do anything with a talent, I take it away. Use. Increase comes with use. So, do you believe that Jesus, right now, is eager to, to rest upon you? And instantly I say that, people have all these patterns of what, what that should look like. You know what might start, you know what might happen? Nothing. On the outside. Or maybe nothing right now. Or maybe you might fall out of your chair. I don't know. I'm not him. But I will tell you this. That something begins to stir inside of you. And it's like it becomes outworked. And you, you start to have a desire for the supernatural. That may not have been there before. Or various things. Or suddenly you have an ability to look at a person and know certain things about them or suddenly you, you just have a love for Jesus that comes slowly but builds and builds and, and it, it just seems like random and it may not be today friends there's so many things when he begins to move on a heart and he, he's so excited to give because it blesses him more than it blesses you so can we take the pressure off can we relax just Relax. I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. If you believe that it requires the laying on of hands, then it probably will, but it doesn't. That's just because you believe that. No one laid hands on the people in the room. I feel the presence of the Lord in the, in the, in the room now. I'm just going to pray, and it's not because I pray. <laughs> it's Him, friends. He's enough. He longs to do it. So are you, you're all seated, I guess that's biblical, but you don't have to be. I'm simply going to pray, and that's going to be it. I encourage you, 
walk into the river of God. He will meet you there. All right, can we close our eyes just to help us focus? All right. Jesus, we thank you that you are enough. We thank you that it's you that paid the price. I thank you, Lord, that we can still have fun and joy and enjoy family and fellowship and laughter and that's just as much a part of your heart. Lord, we remove burdens off of your people now of what it has to be, what it has to look like and all the boxes that we put. We smash those boxes and we say, may you pour out your spirit again upon all flesh. On people in this room, Holy Spirit, may you come. Jesus, thank you. May you begin to immerse people, baptize people, and empower them with the spirit of the living God. Because you love to do that, Lord. I believe that with all my heart. So come, I pray. Come, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask you to partner with him. Just maybe begin to pray under your breath. You don't have to... Don't, just relax. Just thank him. Just say, Lord, I receive or... Lord, you made me worthy, or whatever it is. And don't pray for long, because then you're starting to give. You need to be in a receiving posture. It's just a way to open your heart and partner with him. Come, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name, rest upon your people that are seated here. And I pray even as they go to their cars, even as they go home, even as they start to do different things, Lord, may you be present. May you rest upon them. May you rest upon them. Friends, give it time. Do not rush him. Rest upon him, Lord. Pour out your spirit. We break. If you had one of those mindsets, just speak it out. Say, God, I break that mindset. Help me to be free. And I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for that. So, Lord, we pray. Begin to immerse your people in your presence. Begin to immerse your people even as they leave here. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name. God's people said, Amen. Now, friends, some of you, when you got saved, it was like dramatic. For some people, it was not. It's very similar. Just trust Him. That's it. And be with Him. And walk into the river. And you will find things begin to shift around you. Affections and desires of the heart begin to change. 
Amen? Do we want events and for God to... Yeah. I have no problem with any of that stuff. But you know, let me just say this one last thing. I've prayed for many people, laid hands on many people, seen God do awesome things. But there's a responsibility with that. And you know, I cannot remember all the times that God used us. It's too many to remember. But I remember the ones where I made mistakes. I do. I prayed for a lady once. And I cannot explain this, but I prayed for her. And as we touched her, it looked like she was hit by a cannonball. That's the best way I could. It, was, it freaked me out, I'm being honest. She was shot about six feet backwards. And she wasn't that young. And she hit the floor. And she's lying there. And I got a fright. So I said, whoa, <laughs> over the mic. It wasn't some spiritual thing. I just got a fright. Certainly didn't look like I knew what I was doing, you know, and, uh, which I didn't. And she hit the floor over there. And I saw in my mind's eye the word miracle. And I went to pray for her. I thought to pray for the gift of miracles. Well, she had cancer. And I missed it. So, <laughs> when you grow in God, and when things start to take place in your life, you know, we long for those things. And we learn, and we grow, and we make mistakes. But God is okay. He's fine up there. But he longs to move like that. And you don't all have to be like that. Please hear me. Don't compare yourselves to Peter or Paul. Some people, for the Spirit of God to immerse them, it's not, you're not all going to walk the street and do that stuff. Some of you may. But be you. Because the Spirit of God all over you is different to the Spirit of God all over him and over her and over her and over it's you, immersed in God, and let Him change you. Don't compare yourselves. Just rest in Him. Go to Him.